Good evening, everyone. It's Necro Thursday once again, and I'm here with uh, Mike Scandato. How's it going, Mike? It's going well. What's up, everybody? We're uh, recording this at the uh, very beginning of February, February 1st. How about that? We got it through January, Mike. Yeah, man. And, you know, we've been we've been uh, banging out a bunch of episodes, uh, you know, kind of quickly because I'm going to be gone for a couple weeks and um, don't That's want right. to uh, miss any weeks while I'm no. out there road so we've been burning mm-hmm. it up you know trying to get it all in you know what i mean absolutely and uh it's funny i i'm a little behind on my podcast listening i i did not listen to and shame on me the leave the world behind podcast but i will say that i myself did enjoy that film so i'm looking forward to perhaps later this evening listening to uh yours and jeff's chat on it yeah we get into it man it's um mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was. I, I I thought it was interesting, an interesting movie. Um, yeah, you, know, you, you can listen to it and see. You know, see. We both have interesting things to say about it. I think. Cool. You know? Yeah. One, I, thing, I, uh, one thing I got to say, man, is uh, you know, I've really become a big fan of of, uh, of Ethan Hawke's man. You know. Oh yeah, I mean he's doing a lot of cool shit. You know, uh, a man in in his fifties now, I guess. Um, look, I liked Black Phone. I, I like a, a bunch of other movies he's done. And if he's going to be doing more horror stuff, then that's fine with me, you know? Yeah, no, he did. Also, um, Kevin Bacon was in it. He was awesome. He had a small yeah. role in the, you know. Yeah, he's another one who's, uh, who's like appearing in, you know, these kind of different movies, offbeat movies. I mean, I think these guys at this point, look, they, they, they've got their money, as they say. You know, they they, they do what they want to do, probably. You're Kevin Bacon of the world, you know. Uh, it's probably not about the payday at all at this point. And it's about whether or not if they like the movie or like the script, right? That's what I think. Totally. Yeah. But, uh, no, great, great actors. You know, love seeing them and stuff. And, uh, you know, who, who knows what they'll pop in next. <laughs> couple of uh, cool uh, movies on the horizon, though. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just we, oh, I think on the on the uh, thread we were talking about Long Legs. That mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that looks really good. You know, the trailer. Yeah, looks it really cool. does. Yeah. See, I didn't see the trailer. I have only seen the images. Uh, I did not get the press play on that trailer yet. But um, I'm liking the very cryptic, weird images that they're showing. Uh, I think that makes for a nice campaign for a horror movie you know what i'm saying like when they have like a bunch of kind of poster you know type images that are a little odd and disturbing you have no idea what it is but you're into it you know yeah definitely you know oz perkins always does a good job you know black coat's daughter that was like mm-hmm. a, you know, our favorites from back back in the day when it came out i think oh yeah totally totally uh yeah that does look good and then um the news hit today about the final, uh, quote unquote, which I do believe is going to be his final Quentin Tarantino film uh, that uh, he has Brad Pitt along for the ride with uh, called The Movie Critic. Yeah, I really that. And uh, I, w- I was pretty excited. We were talking a little bit about that. I, um, I've grown to become quite a bit of a Brad Pitt fan in his later years, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, this movie's not going to hit till 2025. But um, yeah, man, he has uh, his his muse, I think, in in Brad Pitt. Of course, loyal listeners would know how much we championed uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
in 2019. It was pretty much our favorite movie of that year. And uh, I don't know. I think Tarantino is going to go out with a bang. I think this is going to be a very cool movie. Um, apparently, the, the the rough byline for it is the story of an irreverent critic in the 70s in California who reviews mainstream movies for a porno magazine called The Pop Star Pages. Um, well, it's got me. I don't know about you. I'm interested. Awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm there. You know, I'm online. Uh, day of release. So um, yeah, then there was another movie that our quality control expert Rennie Resmini uh, mentioned to us. Uh, that was the the woods are lovely, dark and deep. I believe is the title. Yeah, lovely, that, dark and deep. Yes. Yeah, I'm all about that. That trailer looked cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so who knows? I think maybe maybe 2024 will be a bit of a of an earlier bounce back, uh, as as we felt that it, you know 2023 kind of ended a lot better than it started, you know, for us. Strong finish. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was a a grow. It was a grower, not a shower, as they say. 2024. Yeah. Yes. To put it in tawdry terms, listeners. But uh, as loyal listeners will also know, at the top of the show, we like to give the plugs, Michael. And I think it's time for the plugs. Oh, we have Brandon Legion's Horror Wolf 666, which mm -hmm. comes at you every other week. And uh, Brandon uh, is focused on doing interviews in the horror realm. And sometimes mm -hmm. he has us on there as guests. And because, uh, you right. know, we like to do a lot of crossover episodes. Yeah. Absolutely. And on Tuesday, Into the Necrosphere, and none other than Mike Hill himself is on this week's episode to uh, count down his uh, respective top 10 records of 2023. It's a lot of fun, man. We look forward to that every year. Um, last year was a very tough year when it comes mm. to uh, picking a top 10 because I had about 30 records on that top 10 list. So, uh, <laughs> it was a real, real competitive year when it came to great music. And um, I got to say, man, I slept on the uh, Primordial record. And now after talking with uh, with Jackie, I, uh, I'm i all about that, uh, how it ends, man. It's um, yeah, the last yeah. couple of days I've been really, really running that one hard, man. It's a great album. And I just slept on it, you know. It made my top 10. I forget what number it was, but it was absolutely in my top 10. I, I love it. Uh, big Alan Averill fan, big Primordial fan for a very long time, and um, I don't know. I think they're a band with no bad records. They're they're up there with your Marduk and your Cannibal Corpse, where no bad records, maybe just varying degrees of how good they are. Maybe somewhat are somewhat a little less good, but uh, I think every record is is fairly fucking just quality, you know. Well, this one's really good. Not not only is it a good black metal record, it's a good mm -hmm. like heavy metal album. You know what I mean? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. They have that in them where it's like they do the black metal thing with like you know the pagan folk elements, but Alan is very much like kind of a music sponge kind of guy too, like a yeah. and a music encyclopedia guy where he likes a lot of different stuff. And sometimes I, I definitely think that that shines through a bit in Primordial, you know, um, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it's like there's like this classic heavy metal thing going on. 
there like like you can hear like ufo and you know stuff mm -hmm. some of my favorite stuff from that era you know coming through in, in the new uh, primordial yeah he just did a great interview on on last week's episode Motorhead records and oh yeah, he he's all about like traditional heavy metal as well as of course the more extreme stuff too, you know. Um and you know, his podcast is great. Uh they, you know, if they come on every Friday, I believe, Agitators Anonymous. I've I've sung its praises before. So definitely check that out. Um on Wednesday, we have the ship that launched the rest of the ships. Everything went black with none other than Mike Hill. Who uh, who have you got on uh, in the coming week, Mike? This week was like my 2024 goals, which uh, responded to really well, and uh, I was excited about that because, like you know, I just wanted to. I was going to put that on the Patreon, but I figured some people would get something out of it, and sure enough, I got a lot of nice, uh, you know, people relating to stuff, people telling me what their goals were. It was just, you know, it was pretty mm -hmm. cool, you know, and and then. Uh, Coming up next week, I have uh, my old friend Ryan Patterson of Coliseum and Photo Crime coming on, and um, it's I like to talk to Ryan intermittently because he's always got something really cool going on. So it's a uh, high time that I have him back on, and uh, yeah, he he's an old friend and he does a lot of really cool stuff with music. And I just uh, Coliseum is is semi active again, so I want to get the lowdown on that. So keep keep your eyes and ears uh, open for that, and then. Uh, you know, coming up, we have another episode of uh, Darkness Weaves with uh, Carl Hikara. And that's nice. still all, uh, that'll all be out there before I go on the road. So next couple of weeks, uh, definitely uh, keep an eye out for that. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I need to listen to your goals episode. Um, it coincided with me having to make a damn list of work goals. So, you know, uh, which is not as probably fun as a listen as your goals episode, I have to say. My work goals are no, no bueno, but... Uh, they were a necessary evil. So, uh, yeah, I, I got to peep that myself. Uh, on Thursday, while you're listening to it right now, it is the Necro Maniacs podcast, the greatest horror podcast in the USA. Uh, coming at us on Friday, we have none other than my own flesh and blood, Mr. John Draper himself with Spitball Media. Uh, they also do a bit of a different thing with the movies. They kind of talk about movies and television, entertainment news, uh, and the like. Uh, so check that out every Friday. On Saturday, take a break. But on Sunday, Mike Hill, tell the listeners who we got on Sunday. We got a Carl Hikara Stole Knox that you on Sunday. He also he also has episodes on Thursday. So he's a two two twice a week guy. With, uh, with ah. his podcast episodes as well as patreon so um yeah carl rocks it on sundays and thursdays and um mm -hmm. like I, I touched on it earlier but we're doing um we're full on with our, our collaboration darkness weaves where we talk about carl mm -hmm. Edward wagner's uh work and uh, right now we're we're full on into uh the cane short stories so if you guys like dark fantasy and like sword and sorcery peep out our um darkness weaves episodes and uh well, you might learn something about a new character that you might not have heard of if you're into conan and that kind of thing kane might right up your alley nice 
You know, the other week I got a book that I, I didn't mention I got, but I'll mention it now. So our old buddy Varg Vickerness of Burzum put out a book that apparently was written in about 10 minutes uh, called 1991-1993, uh, My Black Metal Story, right? Yeah. And it's this very, like, short, small, kind of, like, pamphlet-sized book that I I, re I started reading the very beginning of it. It's actually pretty interesting right off, right out of the gate, you know? But from what I understand, like, it's not, it like, he'll jump to, like, something unrelated within, like, the pages, and it doesn't really follow that much of, like, a straight story, and, like, he goes on to little diatribes and whatnot. But apparently this thing, like, shot to, like, number one in the music book category and was sold out at one point oh, and wow. had to be reprinted already. So pretty insane coming from a guy who's, like, barred from a lot of social media platforms, I think, aside from X. That's pretty much the only one he's on. I'm not even on X, you know, Twitter, whatever the fuck it's called. But, like, the word got out so fast that the thing went to number one music books. Isn't that insane? I'm not surprised, though, man. I mean, you know, uh, Varg is a, uh, I mean, I, I, I respect him as an artist, man. I mean, I'm mm. not surprised that his writing is, like, is good, you know. I mm -hmm. mean, Burzum is like a incredibly influential uh, band. It's been a huge influence on my work, you know, that I do with the music stuff that I do. And um, you, you know, you, you're you're fooling yourself if you think if you're gonna say if you're gonna disparage Burzum as a band, even though you might not agree with Varg's uh, politics. Oh, yeah. The music stands. I mean, mm -hmm. If you Google black metal, well, he's right there the moment you Google it. Um, I mean, it's just it's. You, you can't really deny it you know um one of the most interesting parts like right away he talks about one of the guys who introduced him to death metal was demonaz of of uh immortal uh yeah, yeah. and because he he was about three years older than varg varg abath and me were all born the same year 73 but demonaz was born in like 1970 and he's the one who turned varg onto of course, death metal, of course. And he goes, he makes a point to say the death metal scene in Norway because there was no such thing as the black metal scene initially in Norway. We we created it. It did not exist. He goes, a death metal scene existed, um, but there was no such thing as a black metal scene until we came along, which is, of course, true, obviously. Um, but yeah, I in all my years of listening to these bands, I, I never knew that tidbit of information that like, you know, Demon as was the guy that got him into death metal, but I guess it kind of makes sense because at one point they were both in Old Funeral, the death metal band together. So, the you know, which was a precursor band of both Immortal and Burzum. So, but yeah, so like, it's like kind of right out of the gate, you're like, oh shit, like it's, you know, he, he gives you, I guess what you're looking for as far as like some history in Norway, you know? So you're going to tell me that he wrote a book um, where he's like a sword and sorcery character or something, you know what I mean? Well, in, in a related note, he has about, I don't know, 10 role-playing books on that already. So um, he already is all over that. Like you, he, he sells these books about the role-playing game he created. Like I don't do RPGs. I know nothing about it. I was never really a Dungeons and Dragons guy, but apparently it's, you know, a Dungeons and Dragons-esque kind of thing. And he has all these manuals and books on that. So, of course, that's what he's into. Of course. <laughs>
played Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid. Way into it for a couple of summers. That is. Ah, see, I like the concept of it, and I like the whole the whole shtick, but I never actually played it. Hmm. So uh, our newest member of the Horsemen is out there uh, in the void, the blackness. Mm -hmm. Of course, yes. uh, Iblis Manifestations brought to you by Cheyenne, who uh, recently was a guest on Everything Went Black a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. We had a great episode, an epic conversation. It's always great to talk to Cheyenne. And um, he kind of comes at you just at the right time. You know, mm -hmm. when, the, when the stars align, a new episode of Iblis Manifestations will be deployed. So you just have faith, and that's it. Yes. Uh, it just appears when he wants it to appear. <laughs> yeah. We I have know. a... We have a voicemail, uh, the Necrophone. This week, because of uh, the brevity of time between episode recordings, we do not have any voicemails because we've been <laughs> running through these, uh, you know, pretty quickly. Like I mentioned earlier, trying to get the episodes in the can before I leave. But mm -hmm. if you do want to leave us uh, a voicemail, you can do so at 908-913-0782. 908-913-0782. Nine one three zero seven eight two, and uh, we love hearing from you guys. We've got some regular callers, uh, like Mike from Pennsylvania, and uh, mm -hmm. a bunch of people that you know been longtime listeners, new listeners. It's always good to hear what you guys got to say, and you can make suggestions. And we've actually been uh, responding to a lot of these too. I mean, mm -hmm. a couple things are on deck. We learned that people want us to cover Threads, a movie that all three of us have been dreading watching for the most of our lives. <laughs> But uh, I think uh, Jeff and I are going to pull a trigger on that one. And uh, I just got a text message today from uh, uh, listener Scott, uh, mm -hmm. who was uh, asking when we were going to finally get down to doing uh, threads. So I'm oh, like, God. got to get to it. Man. <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those things. Like, I think I, at one point I will watch it, you know. Because I did do a rewatch a couple of years back, I think while we, we, we've had the podcast, by the way, of The Day After, which is the infamous early 80s American TV film about nuclear war and its fallout, which, you know, mentally murdered a lot of people around Mike and I's age back then. Um, and I, you know, I got through it. It was, it was a little fucked up, though. I got to say, it still packs a punch for a goddamn TV movie that is 40 years old. Um, but Threads, though, from what I understood, even back, even the word on the street back then was that, nah, man, Threads kind of makes that movie look like a walk in the park. And it's just, it's like worse. So that is Threads' wonderful reputation. It's like the day after, but in the UK and worse. So I've always kind of just mentally prepared myself for that walk down the street. You know, Mike? You do a back-to-back uh, -back, uh, nuclear apocalypse uh, set. You know, we should do <laughs> right. uh, threads and uh, the day after. I think we back-to-back -back mm. would be nice. You know what I mean? It's so funny. I, it's it's interesting how no one has tried to up that ante. Like there hasn't been. Okay, we're going to make this new nuclear war, ser dead serious movie. There have been these comedic ones, like all these comedic apocalyptic ones, and there's been these disaster ones from at some point in the arts, I remember, or whatever the hell those were. But even those weren't really as cool as the ones that they were trying to mimic from like the 70s. But 
there has not been a modern day after movie which isn't to say they may there won't be but i'm surprised there has not been one yet yeah you know i don't know man i think like maybe that's kind of like um like a time and place thing you know i feel like that right. era was the era of nuclear annihilation kind of um mm. paranoia you know that was like a heavy theme around that time it was like being destroyed by nuclear weapons you know mm -hmm. but what's real interesting is that while the paranoia is not really there in 2024 we're too busy worried about taylor swift um we are closer like infinitely closer in 2024 than we were in 1983 so isn't that funny like yeah. the care factor not there reality there you know it's true it's very true, very true. <laughs> we've regressed as a society they're just not really caring at all i think about nuclear war i think most people don't it's on their if there's like a top 20 list of things to care about it's 19 or 20 for the average joe i feel like Hmm. Back then, though, it was on. It was very much in the consciousness of the world. It was getting blown up by nuclear weapons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, it, it made everybody, you know, park in front of the TV back then and, and watch this depressing movie. But it's a good movie, though. Well done. But uh, yeah, threads is coming, listeners. Get ready. <laughs> All right. You know, it seems like uh, we're, it seems like we're forgetting something without the um, voicemails. But uh, I guess we're, we're, we've run through everything right now. So I think we uh, are. Yeah. So let's get down to the uh, this week's feature, man. Yes, uh, we're going to Italy, folks. Uh, once again, um, our buddy Dario Argento, we decided to tackle 1985 classic phenomena uh, known in America as creepers uh also known to a lot of people as the probably one of the first things they saw jennifer connelly in uh famous uh, oscar nominated actress jennifer connelly um the very first thing she was in was the excellent uh once upon a time in america about the jewish gangsters mike remember that movie actually uh yeah that that was that was a that was a long movie and a, mm. and a good one you know very yes. good yeah, she uh, she has a role in that. That is her first credit. Her second credit is her film with uh, our buddy Dario Argento, Phenomena. Um, Phenomena. I mean, look, a lot of people dig this movie. It's it's. I feel like a movie that if it's if it's not your you know your number one or two or three Argento, a lot of people it might be a number four or a number five. But I'm gonna say right off the bat. Whereas with the fresh fresh rewatch of trauma recently mike that we had a, a wonderful episode on and coming away from that with a new love of trauma i came away with not a dislike of phenomena but more of like a you know what this is not one of dario's like marquee films for me personally mike how about that um yeah i mean uh there was a couple things on this that you could say were played, maybe a little played for laughs, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it was an odd film, you know? Yeah. But it's uh, definitely, uh, it's not, it's no Stendhal syndrome or uh, Suspiria, mm -hmm. yeah, that sort of no. stuff. Right. 
Um, I think it's very much of its time. And it's in a way, it's the last movie like that Dario got in Italy. That was like a big deal, actually, because it kind of was. Um, it was one of his biggest budgets at the time. Uh, it's Italian box office was great uh in 1985 actually and it was up against some really big american movies at the time um you know people came to see this in droves in italy and when it hits america a little later in the year under the title creepers uh the decision was made to cut oh almost a half hour out of this motherfucking movie which is so crazy um i unfortunately did not have time to watch the creepers version on my my nice little uh blu-ray set that i have which comes with the creepers version but to cut that much out of this movie probably makes it a completely different movie huh can't imagine li like losing a half an hour out of this film honestly you know i mean this mm -hmm. is uh it's 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 116 minutes mm -hmm. so i mean i guess like in the states they wanted to you know get it down to like a more of like a 90 minute kind of type of format yeah yeah that's yeah. a lot I mean, to cut out of this man it really is um but i think that was just like uh, of its time you know um yeah when it hits theaters uh january 31st uh literally almost to the date uh in 1985 uh it was 116 minute running time um, then there was the international version, which was only shaved off by literally six minutes, uh, which just cut some very beginning and very ending frames. That's all it cuts, uh, the 110 minute version. But when it comes to America, they, you know, it's like they, they went to town on this motherfucking movie and of course gave it the title creepers. Um, I remember as a young lad, when this, uh, hit the video stores in 86, actually, I remember the box cover with the, you know, Jennifer Conley with all the like the the bugs or flies in her hand. Do you remember that? Yeah, the, I, I have a very very distinct memory of that uh, box, and um, mm -hmm. it wasn't until years later that I discovered that phenomena was the same film actually. <laughs> yeah, it, it comes out in March of '86 in America, and it actually does very well. It enters Billboard's top video cassette rentals at the time. Um, and it went to number 29 in the Billboard rental charts. Back in the day, kids, Billboard actually had VHS rental charts. How about that, Mike? Um, yeah, that's actually really good. Yeah, I actually did not know that either. Wow. But uh, yeah, um, it, it's not until, you know, much later on that, you know, when it hits DVD via Anchor Bay uh, with the Phenomena title where it comes out in the, of course, the 110 minute version. And then a little later on, Synapse puts out this three-disker that I have that offers the 110, 116, and, of course, Creepers Cut along with a nice little CD soundtrack, Mike. So good set there. And now uh, Arrow has a nice uh, 4K Blu-ray of it, uh, as well as Synapse as well. I mean, you can pretty much get this, you know, in many different versions and formats and, you know, watch it to your heart's content, of course. But it's pretty funny that a movie that, you know, was was probably like a, you know, a throwaway movie to a lot of people is now available in all these different versions and deluxe box sets and 4K. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't one of his best ones, but it's still I still consider it to be part of like, you know, the, the Argento canon of films though, that's worthwhile, you know? Yeah, it's it's an it's essential. I think it's 
for a new Argento fan, this is one you, you do need to see this movie, in, in my opinion. Uh, it also marks the his final uh, movie, you know, with his relationship uh, with Daria. Um, apparently, they had a very big falling out at the end of this movie. Uh, she called it a reactionary film on account of its portrayal of handicapped people. Uh, Donald Pleasance, of course, is in this film uh, as a handicapped person in a wheelchair. And, and at the, the closing of this film, she announced that she would never work with Argento again. They did divorce, but she did actually work with him again two years later in opera, where they were actually no longer a couple. Um, and there was even a novelization of this um, by, of course, Luigi Cosi uh, in this Italian horror anthology called Terror Profundo back in 1997. A novelization of this might read kind of cool, actually. Uh, too bad I can't read Italian. I would try to check out that book. There's actually quite a bit of uh, notable people in this. Of course, we got we mentioned Jennifer Connelly is the star of this film as uh, Jennifer Corvino, uh, Daria Nicolodi as Frau Bruckner, um, Donald, the great Donald Pleasant as uh, Professor John McGregor, Fiore Argento as Vera. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, you know he, he he likes to uh, he likes to put his daughters in precarious situations. Um, Argento diehards may know that uh, the first kill in this movie, the young girl who gets separated from the school bus. Uh, trip is uh is his daughter fiore who gets uh beheaded and her head thrown in a river so yeah that's uh that's young uh, fiore argento herself <laughs> uh, michaeli suave uh suave who um plays kurt uh one of the geiger's uh assistants there and speaking of movies that have getting la gotten lacerated in the uh in their cuts in the united states michaeli suave is um of course the you know he's made uh one of my favorite films della morte della more which the brutally cut version hit the states as cemetery man and now that's mm. been yeah so now but now you can get the uh completely uncut legit version of it so on severin i think has, nice. has a copy out now interesting caveat is uh, argento's initial idea about phenomena and about the world he wanted it set in uh, obviously, it did not come to pass, but this was his first idea that he really wanted to happen, that it would take place in a world between 1940 and 1945, where the Nazis won World War II. OK. And after 40 years, people had been wiped out from this dramatic event, uh, all their memories, and they didn't talk about it and they didn't remember, you know, what had happened. But in reality, though, the Nazis won the war and therefore a totally and it would have a totally different vibe with this Nazi order. Uh, if the movie is watched attentively, then it is obvious that from that perspective, whoever made it was working from this principle. Now, <laughs> that's very weird, right? Um, the thing is, though, the, the one the, the one thing I guess you could say that kind of lines up with that is that the name of the, the school that uh, the girl goes to is the is the Richard Wagner School for Girls. Yeah. And of course, Wagner was the German composer, Nazi sympathizer, if I'm not mistaken, Michael. Hard Wagner. And, uh, mm, right. A lot of these are uh, the names like, you know, Frau Bruckner, uh, mm -hmm. like, you know, Herr Sulzer. You know, there's a lot of um, that Germanic vibe to a lot of this you know what i mean i mean i think this place takes place uh it's in switzerland right Isn't in switzerland right yeah. exactly 
Um, another thing that inspired him for this movie was hearing a French radio broadcast that detailed a murder case that had been solved thanks to the study of insects on a corpse. Uh, and of course, that definitely weighs heavily on this movie as uh, the star Jennifer Connelly, uh, you know, the Jennifer Corvino character is a young girl who kind of has this like really cool relationship with bugs, you could say, Mike, to put it lightly. It's like almost like this telepathic sort of thing going on with her and bugs. And she she wields them with some power in this film, too. Yes. Now, this is an interesting movie in that it 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 crosses the giallo genre with supernatural horror. Um, it's funny. Some people would be like, oh, this is kind of barely giallo. I mean, well, it is giallo in that it has, of course, a black glove killer killing young women and people in the film, right? By definition, that, that makes it, a, yeah, it makes it a giallo yeah. by definition, yeah. It, it, it has, and, and it, this, again, there's some red herrings and there's some, you know, who, who could have done this and some whatevers. But the gist of the movie, though, to me, is, is a supernatural horror film. Um, he he kind of does that again in Inferno, right? He he does it in this movie. Um, Suspiria, though, that that is one that gets people into arguments on on, on the internet. Whereas some people are like, no, it has no jail element at all. It is strictly a supernatural horror film. And then other people will argue that no, it mixes the two. So you know. Maybe there's no wrong answers, right? Yeah, Suspiria, though, I I, I kind of think more, that's more like a witchy, like supernatural horror. You know what I mean? Right, right. But, you know, of course, people love to argue on the internet. So you'll hear of people course. argue that it, it is a giallo, but whatever. Um, tomato, tomato, right? Uh, but I would say Phenomena mixes genres, absolutely. But largely rests on supernatural fantasy again it like suspiria it has a little bit of a fairy taleish vibe do you think so i think so it's um there's a dreamy quality to it even the way it's shot there's like this kind of like haziness to the film too you know what i mean and it does look like it's in this kind of fairy tale world at times mm -hmm. and yeah. um you know in the sleepwalking and um you know uh, Jennifer Connelly's character uh, being this kind of uh, young woman, like in a strange setting, you know, in um, mm -hmm. this foreign land, and uh, you know the way she kind of moves through the world is is very dreamy, you know, because you know she's like a stranger in a strange land, right? And uh, you know she has this uh, connection, this uh, supernatural connection with insects and. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, there is there is a very fairy tale quality to it. Absolutely, and I think uh, the Goblin score uh, that that covers the brunt of this movie. A lot of this movie, listeners, has uh, metal music in it, actually, which is really cool. It's got Iron Maiden, and it has uh, Motorhead. It's got uh, it's even got a goth track from a Sex Gang Children in there. Very eclectic soundtrack, uh, but the the Goblin score. Uh, from uh Simonetti um is is very ethereal and and you know has like that kind of a female soprano vocal singing uh by Apina Magri um I think that definitely lends to the the dreamy quality what do you think about the music and phenomena 
Goblin stuff rules. I mean, I, I love all the, the tracks that they put in there, but they're inappropriately placed I think, at times in this movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> but there's like some yeah. scene that's kind of subtle. Then there's like this Iron Maiden track, like playing. Like it's, I mean, it's cool, but it's like it's like a little jarring. You know what I mean? Um, and then there's also interestingly some very creepy music created by Bill Wyman. Uh, yeah. for, for for the the uh, which is super effective, right? Bill Wyman and Terry Taylor, um, from uh, of course the Rolling Stones himself. He he has uh, some music in this movie that's fucking killer, right? I was gonna mention that the Bill Wyman stuff was a surprise actually, because like you know mm -hmm. I I never really considered him to be like uh you know very talented to be honest. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, the Maiden track uh comes from Power Slave, Flash of the Blade. When I was, uh, oh boy, how old was I? 11, I got Power Slave. And uh, I got it for Christmas of 1984, okay? I fucking listened to Power Slave over and over and over on headphones as a young kid. And I know every word of the song Flash of the Blade. I fucking love that song. It's such an understated, forgotten Iron Maiden song that like, comes in hard it's got this fucking sick guitar harmony it's got good fucking like it's like hard drums dickinson's voice is like it's such a fucking cool song what do you think of that track yeah great man our slave was like I, I you know it's funny man i i didn't i wasn't a dickinson fan right away because like mm -hmm. you know i was i'm on the paul diano school of iron maiden and uh mm -hmm. by the time power slave came out is when i started warming up to dickinson so that that's definitely like a a, a solid record in my opinion yeah uh the motorhead track is uh locomotive uh from no remorse uh the the sex gang children track is the naked and the dead and then like i said oh and a song called you don't know me we've also got again some goblin stuff and some bill wyman stuff very cool fucking soundtrack i have a uh waxwork uh you know i think it's a two lp of it uh that's pretty cool i mean th th there have been several different variations of this soundtrack on, on vinyl and CD throughout the years. Um, but yeah, I have the 2018 version from uh, Waxwork. I think I might have to pick that up, man. Sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another interesting note about this, right? Uh, Jennifer Connelly's character uh, is Jennifer Corvino, you know, very uh, Italian sounding name. I guess she's, she's playing a, an Italian American uh, young girl with a, a famous father who's a very big actor in America. Uh, apparently, Dario approached Al Pacino to use his name, have the daughter be Jennifer Pacino. How about that? Um, and Al Pacino balked at the idea. Dario also wanted to use photos of Al Pacino in the movie, basically, to, like, to see her looking at pictures of, of Al Pacino. No joke. Al Pacino balked at the idea when he said he wasn't into the idea of this because he doesn't have a daughter. Like he thought he thought it was like preposterous. Like, that, like he was just like, no, nah, this is like kind of, you know, I, I don't I don't have a daughter. Like what, what daughter? You know, so, you know, at, at least uh, Dario swung for the fences and tried to get Pacino in 85. Right. He's a wild guy, man. Dario. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean. If if only he said yeah, I mean, in another world he could have went sure, why not? You know, yeah, pay me this amount of money, and the daughter can have my last name, and there can even be photos of me in the movie. <laughs> but the it's Corvino. 
Um, which again, it's it, it's almost like he couldn't say Pacino and Corvino was like close enough, right? <laughs> the plot of this movie is is a little wild, you know. Um, uh, like we said, a young American girl goes to you know the Swiss countryside to go to a boarding school uh, because she has a very famous father. There's a, this German house mother there. It's got mild Suspiria vibes, right? There's like a filled with young girls, and uh, you mm -hmm. know, there's like the new, the new, the new addition to the uh, to the you know to the school. So yeah, there's a little bit of that, you know. Um, mm -hmm. She's a, a bit of a uh, outsider, you know. I, I I have to believe that primarily, you know, mainly because she's American, you know, in a European school, and um, and she has a little bit of a you know kind of like a like an outsider, you know, she doesn't really get on, get on with all the young girl, other girls. And then the sleepwalking, they start, you know, she's made fun of a little bit, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So he's kind of like uh, on the fringe. Yeah. Dario loves having at least one American in every movie. Of course, if you've really noticed, right. Uh, if it's not an actual American playing an American, there's a, there's an American character of sorts, you know, and that's like, that's his thing, you know, and of course, this time we got the lovely young uh, Jennifer Conley, who would go on to like tremendous fame after this movie, as as people who have followed her career know. Um, she actually addressed this movie one time, I think on Conan O'Brien, because uh, this movie has a monkey kids and uh, okay. the monkey got into some some, some mischief on the set. And uh, yeah, she, she talked about that once actually on uh, yeah late night with Conan O'Brien. The monkey's name was Tanga, and he was very aggressive. And the monkey got so aggressive they had to have body doubles for her. And at one point, the monkey escaped from the set and didn't return for three days. <laughs> and yeah. they had to like lure it out with food. And yeah, the monkey was was apparently a big uh, big pain in the balls. But that's what happens when you use you know a live uh, ape. I guess you would say, huh? That's kind of my favorite part of the movie, actually, was the, was the chimp. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the chimp is, of course, like the, you know, the companion of uh, the Donald Pleasance character, who was the entomologist. Now, Mike, this is something I surmised, and I, I, I thought of this immediately. Do you think in the movie Nope, right, that there may have been some Argento inspiration from Phenomena, the monkey and Phenomena. You know, that's, I, you know, I, I kind of see where you're coming from, man. You know what I mean? Because, like, I guess, uh, you know, that, yeah, why not? Sure. Like, I think it's very possible. No? As, as like, a mild nod, um, maybe? No? Am I, like, like you know, reaching? You would I bet you Jordan would, Peele yeah, is a fan. Yeah, I bet Jordan Peele has. I would bet the farm Jordan Peele likes Argento movies, and has probably seen Phenomena, and may or may not have had a a a a, a semi nod. If it, if it isn't, then I am completely wrong and whatever. But that is what I immediately thought on my rewatch of Phenomena. I mean, that didn't hit me. But now that you're mentioning it, I could see that knowing that Jordan Peele is is a fan of horror films and mm -hmm. 
you know, Dario Argento is a maestro in that, in this world. So, um, and there's a chimp in this movie and uh, yeah, you know, and of course in this film, the chimp is, uh, is, uh, is more of a hero than a villain. So, um, right, right. But they both, you know, go a little berserk. Like, well, the one in note goes very berserk. Uh, this one just goes berserk at the end for a good cause. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah he's uh, seeking revenge. Actually, <laughs> he's trying to yeah. avenge. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Um, who knows? You know, if I ever meet Jordan Peele, that's a question I will ask him. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and watching Nope again, a movie I enjoyed very much. Actually, uh, that is what I came to mind even back then. I was like, hmm, this reminds me of the Bucky in Phenomena for some reason. But uh, who knows, right? I think it's not a super stretch. It could be a mild stretch. Um, so yeah, we have Daria Nicolodi in this movie, and she she's not usually a a a bad guy, huh? Or a bad gal? Hmm. But in this movie, she is. The heavy in this. Yes, she is the heavy. Uh, spoiler alert, kids. You know we're we're spoiling phenomena. Uh, I guess we should we should say that at the start of of the the old movie uh, episodes, but I think I think it's a given at this point that if we're, we're covering a movie that is you know four decades plus that we're gonna we're gonna spoil it. Um, as it turns out, uh, there are murders going around, of course, by black glove killer. There's you know young girls being killed and impaled and etc. Um, the uh, the Dari Nicolodi character has a a son who is uh, grotesquely deformed and chained up in the house. Right, huh, Mike? Yeah, yeah, and the uh, the son is played not by a young boy, but by a uh, I'm going to use the uh, politically correct term of little person. A little person, yes. The son is a little person. Mm -hmm. A a hideously kind of weird, almost like like. Is it like pig-like? I can't really describe that face. Can you? Like the most horribly deformed face I've seen ever. And uh, yeah, this guy's <laughs> horrible, horrific, horrid. Oh my God. It's so funny. But yeah, it turns out that little rascal has been doing the killings. Um, in conjunction with his mother, uh, Daria Nicolodi, uh, as it turns out, she was uh, what was it she was she was raped, and yep. they you know and it was like was it kind of the Freddy Krueger esque where it was like was it like a mental patient that was the father or something like that an asylum. Yeah, basics of uh, holy union. Yes, this unholy birth, uh, and it, again, it's kind of like a getting revenge on society, you know. <laughs> Um, going around killing everybody and killing young girls and killing whoever gets in your way and killing the scientist. But, you know, they, they've kind of messed with the wrong gal in uh, Jennifer Conley because she has, you know, she's telepathic with bugs. Right? Actually, uh, McGregor, played by, um, by Donald Pleasance, mm -hmm. murdering him was actually the step too far. Yes, that's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because uh, you know, spoiler alert: the uh, the chimp gets revenge on this mm -hmm. game. at the end of yeah. the movie. The chimp like wilds out and gets revenge, and uh, and he's actually the hero of the story. 
You know what? It was it was sad when Donald Pleasance gets killed, and then like the monkey sees him sitting there dead in the wheelchair, and he's all sad. That was a sad scene for me, Mike. I don't know that that one got me, but the, you know, pulled at the heartstrings. Kip was actually doing some real acting. Yes, one could argue the best acting in the film. I don't know. One one could argue. Uh, as as I've learned, some people attacked the the performances of, of pretty much everybody in this movie. But look, I mean. I don't know. I I don't really look to to certain horror movies, especially Italian horror movies, for impeccable acting. That's not why I'm watching the movie. Like if Jennifer Connelly was wooden, or if Donald Pleasance was whatever, or his accent went in and out, I'm probably not even noticing that. Mike, what do you you know what I'm saying? Well, first of all, Donald Pleasance is always. Uh... I always love seeing him in a movie, regardless yeah. of what mm-hmm. he's just awesome. You know what I mean? So you're gonna it's he's Donald Pleasance, you know what I mean? He's playing Donald Pleasance, playing a you know, Dr. McGregor, you know what I mean? Right. But I also agree with you that we're not you're not watching uh these films for you know Oscar level acting. You're you're watching it because it's a cool movie. There's like atmosphere in this particular one, you got this awesome chimp in it, you know, who's who's doing gets re- the vengeful chimp who is mm. one of the better one of the better actors in this um in this movie and uh right. yeah it's just you just you're into this thing for the vibe you know and it's like i try to explain that to people too who are like it, it's more vibe than anything else really i agree 100 percent um but I, i'll i'll give an example of good acting in argento movie i think bird with crystal plumage has very good acting i think suspiria has very good acting and i think yeah. deep red has very good acting uh, look, is everyone amazing in all three of those movies? No, but I think the main characters are, are great. And I think those are are literally probably his his quality, quality films uh, across the board. When you hit 1985 and you hit, you know, uh, this movie and, and maybe opera, you're, you're getting into the excess of the 80s and things are a little more over the top. And no, you're not really watching it for the wonderful performances. You're watching for the experience uh, of, you know, uh, of what I think is a master horror filmmaker who brings you to his world and and different types of worlds, worlds that are more fairy tale, worlds that worlds that are like maybe a little more kind of like on the street and based in reality, like some of his other films. You know, this one is more like fantasy horror meets mild giallo, right? And and in some ways, it almost reminds me of like maybe like like a like a story that could have been like in a Vertigo comic or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. You know, I and some from the '90s. You know, the late '80s, '90s, like Vertigo sort of like you know backup feature in like uh, you know Sandman or something like that. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. This this actually might work very well in that medium, and maybe even in like the regular standard book format as well especially like this movie probably more than several of his other films right uh like inferno to me more of like a movie movie visual movie that's quite you know more of like a darker film i think than this uh this for all of its violence and craziness isn't isn't super dark no this movie yeah do you think it's like do you think it's like a mean-spirited movie Yes, in a way, because of just uh, the like, you got this like deformed kid murdering young girls. That's pretty, pretty dark and brutal. Okay. 
Yeah. There there is one particular brutal scene with that 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 carnal pit of uh bodies and rot. Yes. Yeah, the the special effects in this is is definitely quite solid for for the year that, that it takes place in. Um yeah. th- there's like this pit of bodies and insects and god knows what and that that's actually very effective. But I don't know. I I think Inferno is a bit more of a, of a darker, sinister film, and I think Suspiria is a little more of a sinister film. Uh, I can think personally, this one goes into the realm of fantasy a little bit more, even with the fact that it has a a you know a a horribly deformed killer uh, little person and his mom going to town on on poor young unsuspecting girls. <laughs> and the the, the 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 insect angle too, like that that the insect, it. yeah, the insect angle is is wild. It's it's like it, it harkens to mind that the very bizarre factors of uh, Exorcist too. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, in some ways it's funny because like I, you know, I mentioned the comic book angle. It almost seems like it could even be like, um, you know, like a, a new mutant story or something. Like that. You know what I mean? Like, like some kind of um, X-Men high-end or something. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, Jennifer Connelly is, is pretty, I think she's pretty great in this. You kind of can't really take your eyes off her. She's very like, you, you almost kind of know that 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 she's gonna go on to do some other cool stuff watching this movie and and knowing that she indeed does that kind of makes this movie you know special yeah no definitely earlier yeah. in the beginning of her career definitely cool mm-hmm. yeah I, I, as a matter of fact I think right after this she does what do you call it what's that big fantasy movie she does labyrinth after this. Yeah, Labyrinth. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's about the same same time frame. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, it's eighty six. Uh, Jim Henson directed it, uh, and, and that has become like a big cult movie. You know. Hmm. Um. What would you score this film? I mean, I I know my score. You may or may not be surprised by it. Um. But what's what what is your necro score of phenomena? I'm going to give it a four out of five strong. Um, I really, I mean, I enjoy this movie. I like it. It's I think it's one of, like I said, it's one of, uh, one, one of those, it's part of Argento's catalog, his part of his like super legit catalog. You know what I mean? And it I have part of the legit catalog. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I've like watched this multiple times already. So it elevates it above a 3.5. Mm-hmm. And it is not in the same realm as Suspiria or Inferno or the Stendhal mm-hmm. Syndrome or any of those films or Deep Red or any of that. So a four is where it falls in my reckoning. Now, I am giving it a 3.5 because really? I said at the start of the show with the rewatch. Again, I like this movie a lot. You should see it. I enjoy it. You know, I didn't like it as much uh, as I thought that I did, actually. Whereas I like trauma way more than I thought I did. You know, kind of like a little flip-flop there. Um, I felt, I don't know, I felt like it has a lot of moments where it lags, you know? Um, And it's just, it's it has some very strong scenes, I think, you know? But it's not something like for me, like you just said, like it's I don't think it is. It's not deep red. 
and it's not Suspiria, and it's not Tenebrae, um, and it's not Bird. Those are like my those are like my big four. Okay, yeah. for Argento, um, this would probably be like a fifth or a sixth. You know, and I don't know. I didn't want to give it a four because I just I don't know. With the, this rewatch, I was like, you know what? He has a lot of other movies that are way better than this, even though this is better than quite a few of his movies. Like, I don't know, maybe it was the mood I was in. But uh, yeah, I, I this is getting just a 3.5 because I didn't want I didn't I didn't think I was going to give it the same score as trauma. But for some reason, I just came away with a completely new res respect for trauma. But uh, yeah, how about that? You made the look shot really well. Mm -hmm. and, and the chimp, the chimp is what put it over the edge for me. Yeah, the chimp. I know the chimp is really great. Um, and the fact that he caused a lot of problems on the set make it pretty funny, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, I, I the Michelle Michael Suave cameo. That was when he was kind of like shadowing Argento at this point, and he he was on he was working with him on a lot of the movies, huh? Yeah, yeah, part of that. Uh, because about a year and a half after this, the uh, Dario Argento's World of Horror documentary comes out, and that is his uh, that's his movie. Um, as a matter of fact, that is one of the extras on this uh, set of uh, Blu-rays that I have too, Mike. Yeah, it comes with the uh, World of Horror. It comes with a lot of shit on it. Um, it's yeah. It's, it's, is that synapse. the synapse one? What's okay. that? It's, that's the synapse version, right? Synapse yeah. version. Yeah. It's yeah. It was a three disker metal tin loaded with extras, but now I think you can get one that's a, just a two disker that doesn't have the soundtrack but still has all the other extra stuff. And I think Arrow has a you know a four K loaded with a bunch of the stuff like. There's many different ways to see this movie now, which is really cool, you know. And Daryl deserves that. <laughs> it's also on Shudder, too, if you guys want to stream it. Yeah, yeah. And it looks like Shudder has the 110-minute version that, again, is just missing very minimal, you know, early scenes and later scenes, apparently. It doesn't really cut out anything of substance. Uh, so, yeah. Um. Folks, we are going to do another Argento, but uh, we're not going to say which one it is on this episode. But if if you're really paying attention, you you might have picked up on it. But uh, yeah, we're, we're enjoying this uh, Argento retrospective, huh, Mike? Yeah. Then we're going to move on to some Fulci because uh, we've had some requests to uh, talk about some Fulci films as well. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's even there's some great Fulci that is is really like. Uh, understated uh there's this great giallo one on top of the other which is fucking awesome um it's from like the late 60s uh i really dig that movie i mean he he has all his own little different errors too like then he has like the really <laughs> the really dark era like the new york ripper stuff and yeah. you know <laughs> that baby <laughs> yeah. yes 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 um you know i guess he, he, obviously he's mostly his two big guns, uh, I would say, are Zombie and the Beyond. No, oh, yeah, they're fine. Yeah, they're yeah. yeah. The, the Beyond is 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 definitely one of my absolute Fulci favorites and favorite Italian movies. Period. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully you guys are digging this run of uh, 
Argento bangers. Yeah, definitely keep your uh, your ears open for our episode on threads. So that's coming yeah. down the line for you guys. Yes, I I will be. <laughs> I will not be on that episode. But yeah, so I mean, me, and, me and Jeff are doing that. You one. and Jeff yeah. are gonna do it. You're gonna do it. So then, yeah. All right, then the next real disturbing movie. I it's it's only fair that I have to be part of it. So then the next one will have to be me. It's only fair, of course. Yeah. But uh, there are some listeners right now going. So Mike is basically a chicken. Basically, it's, it's you know. But uh, that's not nice. Um, you know, we sometimes you got to take one for the team here, huh, Mike? I do. You got to. Except you know. I've always taken one for the team, man, because I'm on all the episodes. So. <laughs> oh, that's right. Damn it, Mike. That's true. Yeah, man. Damn it. Damn. Well, hey, what was that? That Atroz movie. I, I still don't know oh, if man. I've gotten over that. I mean, that, we took Dude, I, for that one. I gave that movie away, man. <laughs> it was, like, that movie oh, was a rough God. one, man. Yeah. Oh, and then what was the one from last year? Um, oh, the one uh, Found. I, Yes, Found. Jesus Christ! Woo! You know what? I think, I, I think that was a that was a good horror movie, though. I mean, it was horribly fucked up, but yeah. it was leaps and bounds over a Atroz. I, I think. You know, I've come to the realization that I I'm not an extreme horror fan. Hmm. You know, I'm not really into extreme movies, man. It's like I like I like uh, you know my supernatural stuff. Or I like the Lovecraftian, like weird you know, cosmic horror stuff. I like zombies and vampires and all that stuff. I'm not, I'm not one of these like dark, like extreme horror guys, you know? Yeah. Like years back, I think Mike and I thought that we liked some of those movies and then we realized, <laughs> no, nah, I don't think we like <laughs> I think that we wanted to think that we liked them for a while in the aughts, you know, when some oh, yeah. of these were really kind of making the rounds, you know? I mean, the only exception I would say is the French stuff, like the French movies, or because those those are like legit films. Those are the that's the things they're extreme, but they're like intelligent, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, like like August Underground. Look, man, there's an audience for that, and 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 the director of that I've actually met him like at a Fangoria, uh, not a Fangoria, a Chiller, and he was really cool, and you know. He, he is a super horror guy and blah, blah, blah. But those movies are just for a specific type of horror fan, a specific audience. And I just, I am not in that audience uh, anymore. Uh, I did see those movies. Uh, I think, Mike, you saw them as well. The August yeah. Underground movie. Yeah, yeah, I saw yeah, all we, three of them. We mm -hmm. all watched. We watched all three of those movies. <laughs> and, like, you know, and, and, uh, um, yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's definitely a certain taste, you know, for that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then there's the slaughtered vomit doll stuff. That oh yeah, a move that's again. It's a series of movies that I know all about, and I've never seen a frame of it. How about that? I literally know a whole bunch about those movies, and I know that that poor girl who's in all of them is dead. Uh, is no longer with us. Um, and what went into those movies? And yeah, they they are just movies that I care never to see, literally. But again, I did see all three August Underground movies. <laughs> Yeah, those uh, Lucifer Valentine movies are not for me. Definitely not. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, maybe one day, like, if Shudder unbelievably decides to get those on the air, I would maybe check them out. But I'm not going to purchase them. I'm not going to seek them out. Oh, you no. Know? Definitely not. 
like it's because it's like shit is all like real in those movies apparently and it's just it's too much real mike it's too much real i agree <laughs> yeah not for me not for me it's not for me but uh all right listeners so that was our episode on the infamous phenomena aka creepers uh if you were a 80s video store kid like mike and i was well, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you guys next week. Take care. Take care, everybody. Good one, man. Yeah, yeah. These Italian ones are are, are easy because a we we like the source material, and b there's always there's always more to talk about about them, you know. It's always like a lot of like, like good like behind the scenes kind of stuff, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I I'm always learning some newer stuff. Like I never knew that Pacino stuff. Like the like. I feel like I I knew about some of the monkey stuff, but I never knew that he approached Pacino to be in the movie. Oh, That's pretty God. wild, man. Yeah, yeah. This is Jennifer Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. All right, I gotta bro. eat, man. I'll talk to you later, bro. Have a good night, man. Later. Have a good night.